I feel like I start every show with apologizing for how I sound, but I feel like I sound. Con- do I sound congested to you guys today? No, you sound good. Today's your oh. good Hollywood voice, so just oh, okay. roll with well, it. Oh, great. Well, I'm really glad that I can start the show sounding as good as I sound. I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm all snotty. It's like running around in our family. Just, I don't know. We ha- we have it all here, so it's very gross in our house. How are you guys doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing very good. Uh, I good. feel a little stuffy myself. I was about mm. to apologize for my voice, so here we are. But I think my voice is just because I woke up ten minutes ago, rushing, <laughs> throwing clothes oh. on, and making coffee. So here we I are. I woke up. I woke up six minutes ago. Oh, uh, you beat me. Always one. Just thought. Me. I just thought of this. I did not plan this, but I just realized this. I got to tell you this. I had a dream last night, this morning, a little while ago, that I forgot to record this show <laughs> two weeks in a row. And so I remember in this dream, I was running around this like crazy, it was a cross between a Barnes and Nobles and a jungle. It was like, I don't know, <laughs> there, there was, it was like a bookstore library thing and there were plants and animals everywhere too. I've been there. Whatever. You've been there? Yeah. It's in New York, I think. So <laughs> I'm running around this place and... I look down at my watch and I realize that it's like four o'clock in the afternoon. And I go, wait a minute. I was supposed to record making it this morning at 9 a.m. <laughs> I didn't. And I just now realized it. And so in the dream, I frantically tried to find my phone so that I could call you guys and apologize for missing recording two weeks in a row. What a weird dream. Mm. I don't think I've ever had a dream about this podcast before, but that is definitely. Did you wake up before the phone like, picked up? No, I talked to you and I was like, and you guys were like, yeah, whatever, it doesn't matter. But I felt terrible because I was just enjoying this jungle Barnes and Noble instead of recording. So. That's clearly a manifestation of the anxiety that you can't enjoy things. <laughs> Is it? Clearly? Yeah, clearly. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's obvious. You okay. can't, like well, when you you feel guilty while you're having a good time, you stop and you think, do oh. I deserve this? Mm. And you have to think of something to derail your, your good emotional fun time. Mm. I don't think Man. that's the case. I'm pretty Jeez. sure that's not the case, but <laughs> you're hired. <laughs> no, I, I would. I, that was me. That's that's me being silly because I've had even Taylor does loves to do this. I had a girlfriend that would love to tell me her dreams, and when I started dating Taylor, I would always make it clear to her that I don't want to hear her dreams because oh, it, but that didn't work. I hear them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> So I would always joke and I would always say, clearly that's a manifestation of your anxiety to X, Y, Z, funny, 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 whatever. <laughs> yeah. And so that was what I just did to you. But I, in the beginning of our relationship, I'd be like, I can't, I cannot stand when somebody tells me they dream. And then as me and Taylor got to know each other better, she's like, look, I know you don't want to hear dreams, but you got to hear this. I was on a ledge and I'm walking and you were there. And I'm just <laughs> like, I, this is nonsense. I don't want to hear any of this. That's going to be one of my life hacks. <laughs> don't listen to people's dreams since DNA. we're going down this road this conversation <laughs> path the other day i woke up i'm like the first one awake and i'm you know waiting on the coffee to brew so i'm just barely awake and then my oldest son comes down and immediately sits down to the table and starts talking and i don't do great first thing in the morning with just people talking at me but he he had a couple of really weird dreams that i won't repeat here but he wanted to tell me about these dreams and i was not awake yet and it was very very <laughs> difficult to be patient <laughs> i don't know the monkey's not important to me right now man i'm sorry I just, yeah yeah <clears throat> i always say tell me the end of the dream first <laughs> just, just skip tarantino it taylor yeah. has this uh, ability to remember 
And I, and I, I usually stop her. I go, are you making this up as you go along? Because it seems like there's so many details that nobody would remember. She's like, no, no, no. I remember them clearly. And then it's like, you were there and my grandmother was there. And she had on overalls, but not regular overalls. Overalls that had a button on them, like, <laughs> like in the wrong spot. Overalls. Yeah, I'm like, okay, all right. I have something to build. <laughs> mm. uh, <And> anyway, <laughs> what have you guys been up to? Not dreaming. <laughs> I have, I have different types of dreams, but not ones that happen while I'm sleeping. Uh, I usually don't remember my dreams, but we could talk about that next week. But I'm, I am working on a giant cup. It's a client job I took on. It's because of the TV show, a few random people in the world write to me and say, can you make me this, can you make me that? And this is a nightclub in Miami called uh, The Booby Trap. I think it's a strip club. And you think they, yeah. they, one of their uh, one of I, I never I've never seen the place I don't know, but one of the owners or I don't know he, he always talks about another person who I never spoke to. He says he likes this and he doesn't like that. So I think it's one of the guys that works there. I'm making a big giant cup, and I didn't show any of it on Instagram yet, only just because I've been so busy working. But yesterday we made the very first one. And this was very, this was funny in a, like an ironic, anno- annoying way. So I send the guy a picture. He sends me a cup that he wants me to copy, which is like a styrofoam cup. It has a little bit of an unusual characteristic in the way that it's kind of tall. It's like, it's like a styrofoam cup that you would have got from uh, Dunkin' Donuts and a coffee, but like the tall one that's kind of skinny and like extra tall. So I made it look just like the picture he sent me, but he wants it nine feet tall. He wants people to climb inside the cup and like stand at the top and take pictures with the cup. And because it's like the club branding. And I made it and he's like, uh, it's cool, but he wants it to be wider. I said, it's not going to be wider. This is the size it is. It's exactly the same scale as the cup picture you sent me. He's like, yeah, but can we make it wider? And then I picked up the phone. I was like, you cannot make it wider. It is what it is. If you don't like it, we could end the job right now. I said, because I am not going to make it wider. It's already built. And this is going back and forth, like, over time with, you know, emails, what do you want? And so I finally get to making it after, like, almost three months of conversation. And the first thing was, is, can we make it wider? And Mm. anyway, I set him straight. He wants you to make a few of them. I was like, this is going to be what it's going to be going forward. He sends me a picture of a different cup. He goes, can it be like this one? I'm like, well, this one's already built. So this one can be like, it's going to stay. And the next two can be like that cup. He's like, okay, okay. Like I know he didn't want to hear that answer, but I had to lay down the law because I, the, I said to my brother, I go, I'm doing this for 30% for the money. I'm doing it 70% for the YouTube videos. So, so I'm working on that, but I was a little annoyed working on that when I got the message that it's funny working with people. And now I understand that this client doesn't understand how things get made. So mm-hmm. I, have to, I have to navigate going forward. When you send yeah. somebody an image of something, they go, can it be bigger? You're like, it can be bigger, but I could also start the job over and you could pay me again. That's yeah. what you want. Because this is what you wanted. He sent me a picture of a cup that's whatever it was, tall and slim. And he said, make it nine feet tall. So I was like, okay, so I'll make it nine feet tall. And it's only going to be certain width once it's that tall. You know, they think nine feet tall, it's going to be like the size of a Brinks truck. He says, it looks a little skinny. I was like, it's exactly the, I put my picture over his picture. I put the photograph of the nine foot one I made over the picture of the one he was holding in his hand and the proportions were nearly exact. 
please tell me that you jacked up a, a, a tractor and used the the rear tire as a as a lathe. Have you ever seen people turn tractors <laughs> no, into no. a gigantic? It's so lathe? funny because I'm like thinking, so where's he going with this? But like the the, <laughs> the idea of how you would have approached it versus what I actually did is two like completely different universes. <laughs> but that's funny. That's like if you were going to make like a cup or like a finished beautiful edge. That that's a good idea. I made a bunch of. No, it's not CNC. a good idea. No, no, no. I mean, if you were going to make a finished giant you know, popcorn bowl, that's how you would do it. But I made a series of rings. I can send you guys a picture. And I could do Instagram today. So by the time people hear this, they'll know what I'm talking about. I made a series of progressively larger rings, which, for instance, this is the picture of the rings. So you see that? That's the series of all CNC rings. The biggest one is 52 inches. And then I connected them all together. I'm showing the guys. Oh, now, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It just looks like a big giant wire basket that's tall and skinny. And then, and there it is with the, the sort of the, you know how a styrofoam cup has that big lip edge? It's usually a little bit, there's their cup. And you know what's annoying? The iPhone, like every photograph you scroll through that has type in, it's like, oh, do you want to know what that says? Oh, do you want to? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, I don't want to know. I'm just looking at the picture. Well, I could look that up if you want. Like, I don't want you to look that up. I just want to look at the picture. It like grabs type in the picture. And then there it is with its skin on it. Oh, wow. Well, how could that be any bigger? I think they think that they <laughs> yeah, expect it to be, be wider. And then it has, a, it has like a little stairwell in the back so you could walk up inside of it. How is this getting transported over there? I don't know. <laughs> that wasn't part of the conversation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> huh. So there's, now, now this picture is of me sticking out of it. So all these pictures will be exposed by the time the podcast airs, so people will see it. Um, so anyway, I'm dealing with that, and we'll see. Like every time you deal with somebody new, it's always a little bit of a getting to know you. You know, so we're on like a second or third date, and he's starting to act a little weird. So I'm gonna be like, might have to set this gentleman straight. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. But it's it's as of yesterday when I I said in the picture, I expected him to be like, oh, that looks really cool. The first thing I got was, can it be bigger? And that's just a real red flag when you're dealing with clients. Yeah, and I mean, it's a random person that you have no prior experience with at all. No, none. Right, so you don't Even know, like, like right up they... until when he finally did pay me, because Taylor kept, because Taylor's doing a part of this job too. And she's like, when are we going to start that? I was like, when the money, when the, when the down payment comes in. And she's like, what's with the down payment? I'm like, they, they were already on like their fourth, you know, attempt to try and send it to me. And it keeps not working because it's, I think it's coming from some other country. And so I was like, when it comes in, then we'll get serious. Until then, it's just, just yeah, no, I, I don't know. Yeah, again, I don't. They finally did PayPal me, but who knows? Who knows? Yeah. And you know, it's you know what it is. I just hate to I hate to say it. It's just like somebody that owns a nightclub, and I've worked with them in the city. They're just used to getting whatever they want because usually it's a nightclub arena where everybody on the outside of that place wants to be inside. They either mm. want to be inside to be like the the accolades of oh, I'm associated with this cool place. I live in New York and I don't drink and I don't care about nightclubs. So like, it's almost like the person's like, yeah, make it bigger. Like most people in that environment would immediately go, okay, I'll do my best to make it bigger to make sure that I can have a pass to get in the club. You know, it's like, and I, I, that's obviously not part of any part of my culture of my life. So I don't care. This to me, it's just a job. I'll never be there. I'll never go to the place. And I just want to make sure they're happy with it. But when they come back and they say, make it bigger, there's no, it looks really good. But you think maybe um, it's just right. it just came off a little rude. I thought mm-hmm. there's a there's an amazing song called "Make the Logo Bigger" 
that we used to play at our ad agency all the time. This is this song's probably 15, 20 years old, but it's it's about that client doing that particular thing. Yeah. Yeah, like it, like this the whole tone of this conversation would have been fine, at least a little bit more acceptable of me if he would have been wow, really looks cool. Wow, I can't believe you made that just 2 days ago we were talking about having, you know, like none of this like little butter me up to give me a criticism. He just started with the criticism. So anyway, is it by New Republic, is that who did that song? Um, I don't know. It's a it's a metal-ish type song. Yeah, I think it's, it's just called "Make the Logo Bigger." Huh. <laughs> Interesting. I was just trying to find it because there's a bunch of them apparently. Oh. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway. And then besides that, I'm working on the backhoe. A lot of people were asking about part two of the backhoe, and I've done a considerable amount of work now. I just need to assemble this pile of footage of random fixes and i tell you what working on on the backhoe everything it's just crazy how that industrial equipment just everything is bigger as like a little for instance i went and i got i went to go get transmission fluid for it because there wasn't any on the dipstick so i go in i speak to the tractor guys here it's kind of like the lawnmower repair place in town and they also deal with big equipment and i said I need the transmission fluid for the case 590. And they, they go on the computer and they come out. They're like, this will work. And he comes out from behind the counter with a five-gallon bucket. I'm like, oh, five gallons. Wow. All right. Wow. I'm thinking I was going to walk out of there with like two quarts. Right? <laughs> I put the entire five gallons in and it still doesn't show up on the dipstick. What? So now I find like, I'm like maybe I should ask somebody that knows at this point. <laughs> I'm, I'm checking to make sure it's not just leaking completely through the system out somewhere else. And it wasn't. Takes like twenty two gallons of transmission Whoa. fluid, <laughs> and that bucket of transmission fluid was ninety dollars. Oh, so I would need four, but eventually it did start to show up on the dipstick, and then I ran the machine, and then it disappeared again. So I went and bought another <laughs> five gallon bucket. <laughs> I have not put more in. Yeah. You're supposed to check it while it's running so that the system puts it where it's supposed to be. So. I, I checked it without it running and it showed up. So that was a good sign that it wasn't just leaking into side to one of the tires. I was like, is this going somewhere? <laughs> and uh, everything is bigger. Everything is bigger on those machines. It's just unbelievable. Hmm. Now, how much use do you get out of that? Like, I know having something like that is fun and you use it here and there and you are you. So you just want to have like a giant big machine for no particular yeah. reason. But how useful is having a backhoe? Not well, asking because you know, I want one. Just no, honestly, it's a little big for what I do here. It's really more for like construction sites when you're going to just prepare the land. I got it because we got 40 acres, and if I want to maybe rip open this or that, I'll do it. But as I'm getting the thing fixed up, and it really is getting fixed up, it's getting to a point where now I'm adding a lot more value to it, I might consider trading it hmm. to somebody in the in the audience who's interested in it for some one for reason. a or smaller another. one or something? Yeah, for some smaller thing or maybe a cool truck or something. So I've always wanted to get my hands on one, and this one was priced right because it needed so many repairs. And it was a good candidate because the repairs are mostly cosmetic. There isn't mm. any, like, I don't need to put a new hydraulic pump in it. Engine and everything, and the electronics needed a lot of work, and we fixed that. So I just was happy to get my hands on one to understand the, the, that category of, of machinery. And I've learned a lot, and I will learn a lot. But once this thing is up and ready to go and... I'm, I'm going to offer it for trade. And I thought the same thing about the Cadillac, too. I'm sitting right next to the Cadillac. It needs a little bit of – I still haven't changed the water pump or anything like that. But I'm going to – if anybody in the audience, I'm going to offer up the backhoe 
and the Cadillac. If anybody has an interesting trade, I'd be willing to trade them up to something a little bit, in both cases, more useful to me. But with the backhoe, the other day I have a, a rut wearing away in the driveway and we're doing some more landscaping stuff here. So there's a big giant pile of rocks. So I hopped in the backhoe, started it up and went and got a scoop of rocks from the pile that's meant for something else. I didn't tell anybody. Don't, don't anybody here tell my contractor or tailor. And I went and I scooped a big bucket of the rocks and I brought them back to the back of the driveway and dumped them in the hole and spread it out. I really felt like I knew what I was doing. I was, yeah. I felt like a man. <laughs> that and sounds fun, it, actually. I put it, I put it away <laughs> quick before Taylor saw that I stole a bucket of rocks from the giant pile in the driveway. <laughs> We're doing more dry stack stone walls and the guy that does it for us, he's really, really skilled. <clears throat> he puts these foundations under all the walls. So we have a few yards of giant, mm. I think it's called number four, the size of the rock, the giant pile of number four crushed stone. And then he lays it in the pathways that he's going to put these stones and it creates a foundation. So I stole some of it to fill a hole. Cool. But to have it, that is, it's really fun. And then yeah. just playing with the arms, it's like the ultimate video game, like ripping a stump out of the ground. You really, hmm. really feel powerful. That's cool. But that's it. So I got that. And then me and uh, Rob Rojas, we restored a, a 1920s floor crane. And that video will probably be out this weekend. That'll be the one I put out. And the go-kart video is out. It's doing really well. A lot of people are enjoying the go-kart video. So It was fun. Was nice. it, it was cool to see just the process. And it, I don't know, it, it looked a lot more simple than what I was expecting for some reason. And you know what's a bummer? I noticed a couple of the comments that people were saying, I didn't see how you connected the gas the gas pedal. And last mm. night I was sifting through the footage of the backhoe and there's like a whole sequence I shot of me installing uh. the gas pedal and showing how it worked and I didn't move it over to the pile of footage. And there's a whole little sequence and maybe I'll just make it an Instagram story. I've done that. Because do yeah. I left out that, like it would have been 25 second sequence, but it showed how the gas pedal worked. Completely left it out of the video. So, oops. <laughs> cool. David, what have you been up to? We've been working on the piano. We're hoping to finish it up this week, and it's coming up pretty, pretty awesome. It's a piano restoration. It's it's a it's a kind of piano. It's an electric piano with real strings, and it folds up so you can take it on tour. And it's been across the country a couple of times, and we're taking off all the. It's got plywood sides that's covered in a like a like a guitar amplifier type vinyl stuff and then it's got plastic pieces all that is gone it's being replaced with with walnut and it's like working in your living room where you you do one piece and then you got to cover up the the gate with a piece of trim and then you got to fix that piece of trim with another little piece of trim so it's just, you just keep covering your mistakes nothing square so i'm able to make 3 cuts on the table saw but the fourth cut has to be with the track saw cuz every piece is kind of like a like a trapezoid you can't visually see it but it's been a huge pain i mean a challenge it's been a huge challenge <laughs> and it's been it's been fun i'm really looking forward to getting this thing out of the shop because it takes up a lot of space and it's been in there for like two months. But there's a piano tuner coming this afternoon to get it back in tune. And hopefully like this weekend, the owner clay comes over and can play a little, a little jam on it for the end of the video. I can't play piano very well or at all. And, uh, it's, um, it's 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 exciting. I haven't been talking a lot. Every I'll, 
I'll do like a, a few hours of footage and then I'll, I'll hit a new challenge and then I'll talk to the camera. And I'm like, well, my miter saw broke, so I can't use that anymore. And, and then we didn't expect the frame to be connected this way. And then, and then I'll just go into a whole bunch of footage. So it's a, it's a lot of visuals in this one. And what type, is it actual, is it like a little baby grand piano? What kind of piano is it? Um, I don't, I, to be honest with you, and I should know this as a musician, I don't know what a grand piano is versus an upright or I whatever. Either. I don't As I'm saying that, I'm <laughs> saying something I don't even know the answer to either. I can tell you. Please do. Yeah. Well, Bob so an upright piano. piano has, is, I mean, it's more visibly upright. It's tall. It goes up from. Kind of like, a, like you'd see like a Western bar. Yeah. Yeah. So that'd be an upright piano. A grand or a baby grand are just two different lengths, but those strings go horizontally back away from you. Gotcha. So it's like an Elton John piano. Yeah. Yeah. So if you see like you think of a classical piano or something, then you're thinking of a grand or baby grand. Baby grands are about, I don't know exactly, but they're like five or six feet deep and there may be even different sizes. An actual grand piano is like 12 feet deep. They're huge. They're so big. And they sound amazing, but so this is it's it's about four feet wide, just a little little wider than that. The all the strings run up and down, and would be if you're sitting at it, it would be from the keys down to the floor, and uh, and then there's pickups in there, so you could play it live. And then the keyboard also uh, folds down for for touring and then it has its own like kind of like road case built into it it's the engineering involved in making this is absolutely incredible have you if you've seen is it was it mark rover who did the video about pianos a few months ago yeah and just shows the mechanics of it's not just a key moving a hammer that hits a string because it's a key that moves a hammer that hits the string. And then there's also the muting involved. And then there's the sustain pedal involved and the, the crazy mechanics that make this happen. Well, on this piano, the keyboard folds down. So as you lift it up, it has two legs that then you have to kind of like wedge uh, underneath there and it lifts up to it. And the mechanism touches all of these hammers and stuff and it's just crazy how it just moves up into the right perfect place and everything just works it's i got a lot of a lot of sexy shots of the insides because it's it's really cool and i called the um the piano tuner yesterday and i was like i have this 80s yamaha electric piano that needs to be tuned and he asked is it is it a is it a grand or an upright and i was like i don't know what I don't know what that is. <laughs> and I tried to explain to him what it is. And he's like, he sounded like an older gentleman. And he's like, I have no idea what you have. Uh, but Dave will be out there tomorrow to, to tune it up. <laughs> it's a big rubber mat and you jump on each key with your feet. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Hanks style. That's a super grand. So yeah. I, I have another kind of electric piano here. It's a Rhodes, which is a brand. But instead of strings, it has tines. Yeah. So it has these little metal... I don't know, there's pieces of metal, little uh, wires that kind of stick out. And so the hammer actually hits this little piece of metal, and then it vibrates, and it has a pickup for each one of these things. So there are no strings involved. And it's it's a touring-type piano, too. It has a road case that just snaps on top of it. But it's a lot more of a stable type of piano uh, you know, for, Do you tune those? Would you need to tune that type of piano? Can you? you probably not. You could. You can change the length of the tine. Uh-huh. Um, and I've never had to do that, so I don't really know the ins and outs of it. But <clears throat> you can. 
And the thing that's interesting about the damper on this one, the pedal, is that when you, you set this thing up and it's on legs on stage and then you need to add a pedal on the floor underneath it so you, when you set at it or stand at it. So the pedal <clears throat> is, excuse me, is just a, it's just a metal case with a pedal on the front and as you push the pedal down, it pushes, you know, it's, it's like a lever. So the back of it goes up as the pedal front goes down. Then you take this metal pole <clears throat> and you wedge it underneath the piano in a hole on top of the pedal. So when you step on the front of the pedal, this pole in the back goes up into the piano and it pushes that one point in the center, pushes an entire damper across all 88 strings because I have an 88 keep at Rhodes. It pushes a, in a rod all the way across up and it lifts off of the tine system to allow them to continue to vibrate and sustain so you think of it's kind of opposite, like you would be pushing down on the pedal and you're pushing against something. You're actually lifting a damper mm -hmm. off of, and that's the same way it works on a regular string piano too, but it's pretty neat. Just, you know, you have this kind of wedge. It's a very brute force kind of way to work on the inside of this piano with the pedal. One thing I've always wanted to do, and I actually talked to Jack Conti from Patreon about this one time with this idea, because he plays a Rhodes a lot. And I've always wanted to have a hydraulic pedal that would do the same thing, but would allow you to not have to have a like a stick of metal in between the pedal and the piano mm -hmm. to put some sort of a hydraulic thing in there that you could just like plug into the piano and plug into uh. the pedal and it would effectively do the same thing. But I've just never really had a need to execute that. But I feel like that would be a pretty cool way to get the same idea and you could get the same power out of, you know, kind of one for one power out of the pedal um, using hydraulics to go up into the piano. Cause it does take a force. Like you got to really step on this thing to lift that whole thing. You Tell know? everybody how much that thing weighs. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> a whole lot. I, I, I can't so imagine. So is this piano that, that you're working on, how many keys is, are on it? Uh, I, I, I don't know. Um, What's what's a four foot wide piano? Eighty eight keys. Um, maybe. Usually pianos are in the octaves. They're usually uh, sixty two. It's probably sixty two. Seventy six, eighty eight. Okay, I think uh, those are the common kind of sizes for them. So you know you can find pianos in all those different lengths and everything. Mine's an eighty eight because I wanted to have. That's what an actual piano is: eighty eight keys. So I wanted to have a full spectrum of sound there. Um, but it also, it just gets heavier and heavier because every key is a whole mechanism. You know, it's a whole hammer and a whole metal tine and a whole damper and a whole everything. So I remember as a kid, I came upon a piano that was in the trash and it was being thrown out and it was also severely broken. And I got a chance to see how the internal mechanism works. So I was about 10 or 12 years old and I looked at a piano and I actually took some of the keys and those mechanisms so that when you touch it, it goes, but doink, but doink, but doink. It's not just a touch and hold. And you should I make actually, an actual piano that does makes a but doink sound. But doink, but doink. And so I, I isolated a couple of the mechanisms and took them. So I always remember whenever I see or hear about a piano, I'm thinking of a picture of this the whole time we're talking is that little experience I had of discovery. You know, I felt like I was like a caveman who discovered fire, but I discovered how a piano key actually works because the piano was broken and exposed from the inside out. 
Yeah. Which is one of my life hacks I have written down. Oh, oh yeah, we do have a topic. Um, <laughs> one more thing. On the, on the <laughs> you got to talk so. though, Bob. So uh, I have a play. I've, I know I've talked about this before, but I have a player piano here that was when my grandmother was growing up on a farm, they got it used. So when she was a kid, and so that would have been the 1920s, I guess, um, they got this used player piano from somewhere else. So this thing was made, I think, in the late 1800s. And it was in their farm for a long time. It got, you know, in disrepair. And then when my great-grandparents passed, my grandfather took this piano and he was, you know, I mean, I live in his house. I'm using his shop. He was like a person who just built and fixed and whatever. So he took this entire player piano apart, stripped all the finish off of it, rebuilt all the internals, added an electric motor to it so because it has uh, pedals on the bottom and you pump the pedals with your feet. And that pump creates airflow into these plastic tubes, which then move all of the keys. And so you can sit back and just pump your feet and it plays music for you. That's the way it worked when it was built. And so he added an electric motor to it to create that airflow and then had a speed control on the bottom that would, you know, control how much air went into it and everything. It was really awesome. Mm. But when you open that thing up, it makes a regular piano look like uh, the mm-hmm. simplest possible mechanism uh, ever. It's bananas. You guys are going to laugh. I have a player piano too. It's in storage at the moment. Mm. The local auction here, I walk through and I always walk through on auction look day. And We have it was the same there. piano. We've Do talked we have about the same? this before. We have, yeah, yeah I, we, I showed it on Instagram. Yeah. I mean, uh, and uh, I, I, we played with it for two days, and then we picked it up with the forklift and put it in Aaron's space, <laughs> and then it got buried and stuff. So I haven't had a chance to – I was thinking about it recently to pull it out and just kind of find a home for it so we could always plug it in and play with it. It's really bizarre, the amount of ingenuity that goes into that. It is. It, mm. It's crazy. The problem with ours is that at some point along the line – the, um, the thing called the soundboard, which is the big metal chunk. It's huge. And I think ours is cast iron. I might be wrong about that. But it's the board that all the strings are attached to. And it's it has to be beefy. It has to be dense to hold, to fight against the tension of all these strings, right? So it's got to be this big thing. Somehow, ours has a crack in it. And so because that, that it is cracked, it weakens the, the board. And so you can't actually tension the strings to the tension they need to be to get to the notes that they need to be. So the entire piano is tuned down, I think like a step and a half or something. So it's in tune to itself, but not, you can't play it and anything else, you know, any other instruments. And, and the, the, the player mechanism, is it on a roll of paper with, with a punch outs on there? Mm -hmm. Has anybody like made it like a, a MIDI to punch out printer type thing? Yeah, there is a, well, I don't know about making the punch out, but I ha- there is one company. I know we've had this conversation before, I think. Anyway, there is a company that at least made one. I don't know if it was a product or not. Probably not. They made a uh, bolt-on. Because what's happening is it there's a metal strip across the center of this thing with a bunch of tiny holes in it, and it's blowing air out these holes. <clears throat> and so when you run the paper over the top of it, Anywhere there's a hole, it means there's a note which will let air out, which then plays the note. Okay, so that's kind of what's happening with these rolls. And so somebody made a block that goes over all these holes with a bunch of little doors. Oh, yeah. 
I, I can see And so this, then they can yeah. use a MIDI controller to open and close all those doors. But I mean, these are tiny. These are like a maybe three millimeter square kind of hole. They're very small and they're all stacked up right next to each other. You're muted, Jimmy. I can't hear you. I say you make a player piano into a piano piano. Yeah. But you could probably obviously record whatever yeah. you do and then play it back through the MIDI right. without touching anything else. Yeah, and you could program the MIDI on computer or whatever, and so you just, like, send it to this thing. But it is a very, very elaborate – because I looked at, like, oh, this would be a fun, weird thing to build. And then I found somebody else that kind of did it, and it it looks like – I don't know what it looks like. I can't even think of a way to describe it. It is very, very complicated. Oh, okay. So, But it is possible. Somebody it, did it. Is it is the piano – Without the the musical part of it, is it really loud and noisy with all these things moving and air blowing through it? No, not really. Hmm. No, I mean the the electric motor is the thing that adds noise to it, you know. And because even even without the electric motor, the only thing that's actually moving that wouldn't normally be moving if you're playing the piano is just the pump. It's just the the foot pedals, hmm. and it's kind of like a there's not a whole lot of motion happening there. It's like bellows behind two pedals and you're just like alternating them. So there's not a lot of moving stuff that wouldn't normally be there, you know, on a piano. Gotcha. My grandpa. It's like about as much air pressure as on a bag of, uh, 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 bagpipes. It's like about as much air pressure. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like two or three pounds of air. Doesn't do anything yeah. for me. I've never, I've never held a, a bagpipe. <laughs> me either. <laughs> you hold it under your arm and you just like, you're like squeezing the chicken. Well, I know how it works, but I've never actually done it. You're squeezing that. Chicken. I mean, like that—that's not like a hundred pounds of pressure. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah, <laughs> never squeeze the chicken. So, um, there's a I, joke right there. I'm going to leave it. Out. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was thinking about something yesterday, and I had a conversation with a friend of mine talking about podcasts, and we got to talking about this show and about our how our topics or lack of topics, and it was not a a good or a bad conversation. It was just a conversation. But it got me thinking about how we get a lot of um, messages from people that say they really enjoy this show because it's just like they're hanging out with us. Like they're hanging out with somebody in the shop and it's just kind of like banter and we just talk about whatever. And we might have a topic and we might not, whatever. But I realized that we've kind of settled into that because we've been doing this for so long and it's just a way for the three of us to get to kind of catch up and, you know, it doesn't have to have a direction, but it actually got me wondering if people expect that in general, not the people we hear from, but if the broad audience that never says anything, mm-hmm. do they expect just aimless catch-up <laughs> conversation or do they expect a topic? I would actually love, not that we're necessarily going to change what we're doing, I don't mean that, but I would love feedback from people through you know Patreon or through Twitter or whatever, just like, do you enjoy the the pointed topic conversations or just the hey here's what's up and here's how we're doing? The good the good thing I the good thing is I think it's always important to at least have a topic. Sometimes if you never get to it or if it's super vague, at least gives us a direction to get to while we chit chat. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So and then sometimes we talk about a topic before we start and then we never even actually get to it because yeah. our banter turns into something more interesting. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. But it's always good to have that safety trap. And I think net. the the topic thing is difficult at this point just because we've talked about 
pretty much everything that any of us can think about talking about. <laughs> Starting know? a shop, the first two tools you need. Yeah, it's like where to get started, you know, all that stuff. We've been through those things a few hundred times. So, how to get unstarted? We should start talking about that. I mean, at this how point, how to our end? First... <laughs> yeah. yeah. How to hang it up? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, how to sundown your life? Um, <laughs> anyway, so I'm just curious about that. If anybody has any thoughts, and maybe that doesn't matter at all. Well, no, it doesn't matter at all. I'm just curious. Um, so for me, I have been working on the gi, and I think I talked about this last week that I got some of the body panels put on. Yeah, you sent yeah. some pictures out. They look good. To us. So that video is coming out tomorrow, I guess, from recording. Um, and so we're trying to figure out how to <laughs> how to thumbnail and how to title a video about doing a little bit of work. That the car is really tough. I mean, you know how this is, Jimmy. It's like when it comes to a car project. It's a really little mundane. bit of work feels like a lot, but it doesn't yeah, look a whole lot different. It doesn't, so doesn't look really visually interesting. <laughs> it is it is very strange to try to build a a story or a thumbnail or give an interesting title, you know, out of But that you know what it is? Stuff. It's funny. As as makers, the maker community that does car stuff, I you have to try and make it as visual as possible. But when you when you go watch lately, I've been like I always talk about Derek at Vice Grip Garage, and then there's a lot of these channels that pop up lately that i've been watching and i can't even think of any of the names of them but will it start and they go out to an old abandoned vehicle in the woods and they get it started or an old train and they get an old diesel train started they're all just talking tech stuff technical derek's different derek actually is a, he's a very funny comedian so he makes it entertaining just because of you like him as a person but these other guys they're more like technically so all the gearheads hang on because like oh, that's not a Cummings. What is he talking? You know, like so like the people engage that way because they're listening to the technical rhetoric, versus when we're like we're just going to connect this to that. <laughs> I'm going to take the brakes apart and put the new brakes on. You know, I don't know. I'm just yeah. going to follow. it. I'm going to take a picture of what's there and then put a try and put back all the parts the same way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you watch these other automobile channels, or engine style car stuff. And it's really more their rhetoric and their know-how that's more entertaining versus us. We have to try we, and make it look visual. Yeah, we've talked a lot about this, me and the team, just about how to how to do the car stuff in a way that's not like, I don't want to pretend authority. I don't want to act like I know what I'm talking about. I'm not trying to tell you how to do this correctly because I am really just dipping my toes and figuring it out. But at the same time, I don't want it to be this just, hey, watch me do a thing with no useful information, you know, so... There's kind of a middle ground of of trying to, I don't know, add value, add some knowledge without being an authority is kind of a weird place to. Whenever I don't I know mean, what I, to do. We do the same thing with maker videos too, but in this one, I'm really out of my depth. Yeah. So. Whenever I don't know what to do with the thumbnail, I just take a photo and then put Duresto over top of it. It works well. <laughs> it works. <laughs> works every time. That's funny. Well, uh, you did have a topic. <laughs> I did, yeah. I, I, I had, a, I was fun. Uh, life hacks. It's not something we've ever really, really talked about that I could remember. We might have done it early in the beginning, but I wrote down a couple of life hacks. Some are a little bit more emotional, interpersonal. Some are real practical life. I'm looking around my room trying to think of life hacks that I have here in front of me. See, in my mind, life hacks could mean like very, very different things. Like that, that yeah. is a blanket term for a lot of stuff. Yeah. So what are we talking about here? Like how? All right. So I'll start the, the ball off by okay. saying, for instance, um, one of the, the hacks that I do, this, is, this could be a shop hack. I have more deep ones. We'll get to those later. Okay. But 
I take metal garbage cans, and you can see this in some of the videos. I take metal garbage cans, and I, I take a two-by-four, and I bandsaw it into a hook, and then I screw it to the underside of the metal trash can lid so that the metal trash can lid is always with the metal can. And the reason I always have a metal trash can is because, God forbid, something in it should catch fire, which has happened in my shop. You're welding near a garbage can, and all of a sudden you look back, and there's flame shooting out of the garbage can. And a metal can will sustain a small fire, and then a metal can lid will snuff it out. So that's why I always like metal cans. Hmm. So it's in my, in my shop, everybody knows you can't have a metal garbage can that doesn't have the lid nearby to snuff out a potential fire or to just cover it if you know you're going to be welding or grinding nearby. So that you always, like if I'm going to be grinding and the sparks are flying in that direction, I'll either make sure the garbage cans are moved or I'll make sure the metal lids are on. And so I take this two by four, I cut a notch out of it, screw it to the inside of the, the lid of the can. And now the garbage can lid just hangs on the side of it. Uh-huh. And a very perfect example that a lot of people know is the barbecue lids. You know those barbecues that the old metal ones? I can't remember the name of the company. Like it looks like a big teardrip. And you take the top off and you could hook the lid on the side of the barbecue. So I basically hmm. use that for garbage can lids. So there is a life hack for the shots. That's, that's a good one. And, but they don't make them that way, which is crazy. Everyone's like, did you patent this? I'm like, whatever. I've been doing it for 20 years. Who cares? And... Like, I'm going to be the garbage can hook lid, like a garbage can <laughs> lid hook king. That's I what mean, I'd like to be. That's, that's what I want to be. No, my legacy is going to be the garbage can If there's nobody else on that hook. throne, you can yeah. take that throne. So Yeah. You know. And uh, so I've been doing it for a long time. I've showed it to a couple of companies. They're like, that's really cool. We're not going to make it. Uh, so that's something you could do at home. And I could show that on Instagram before the show airs. So that's one. Um, I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna struggle here, and maybe lots of people know this already. But for me, when I'm trying to move uh, along a project quickly, I will use CA glue and wood glue together. The CA glue as a clamp, the wood glue for yep. strength. Um, that works. Or good. a pin nail. Uh, pin nails do not show up in the finished pieces. I you, you never yep. see them, and that's how I get yeah. by my glue ups really fast, or just avoiding clamps. In the beginning of YouTube, I would always use hot glue, but CA glue is better because hot glue kind of creates an object in between the joint, can yeah. hold your can hold your your joint open. But CA glue, as CA glue became more and more prolific on YouTube and woodworking, it's a much better much better use of that. Let's see, man, this this is not something I was prepared for. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> come on, Bob. <laughs> well, so we have this thing where we try to do weekend tips on Instagram, and so. Every week, Megan's like, hey, anybody got a weekend tip? I'm like, ugh, I got to think of a thing <laughs> that I haven't already talked about somewhere. Anyway, um, one of the things I did a long time ago that has I kind of forgot that I did because I got so used to it is I took uh, on the top of my drivers, I have a bunch of different, you know, impact drivers, or not impact drivers, but drivers. I took a rare earth magnet and Sugru, which is a plastic glue. Oh, yeah. I remember, you, just, did you show that recently? Yeah, yeah, we did a yeah, tip like for that. it recently. Yeah. So I took this magnet and covered it in Sugru. And Sugru is like a moldable clay, uh, clay glue stuff. And it it cures in 24 hours. I don't know, it's still rubbery, but it will stay where you put it. So it has kind of a rubber coating. So you can wrap the magnet in this stuff and then stick it down on top of the driver and then let it set for 24 hours. And then you have a magnetic soft spot 
on top of the thing that you can throw bits. And so all my drivers have this now, and I forget that that's not on every driver. And I got a new driver recently, and it was so frustrating that I didn't have the bits that I, you know, because it's like every size of star bit and a flat and a Phillips and a whatever, they're all on top of every driver. Yeah. So no matter what screw I'm using, I've got all the bits right there. Yeah. Um, and so that is, it's something I do to every one I get, and I have quite a few of them at this point. Between that reminds me. Uh, that reminds me of a <clears throat> of a a workshop battery. And this isn't really a hack; it's more of a tip. Uh, when everybody, like for instance, my brother's been working with me lately. So anybody that comes in the shop for the first time, I I give them this little education. Anytime you see a battery for a tool, which we have lots of tools and lots of batteries over the years, I've acquired I probably have thirty different batteries, different thicknesses for Dewalt, different like the nine volt, the small one, the skinniest one, the sixty volt. Um, I meant to say the nine amp hour, not the nine volt. But anyway, we have all these different batteries. And when across the room at a glance, everyone that needs to be charged is upside down. And everyone that's charged and ready to go is right side up. So like the tongue, like the, the bottom of the battery that would be at the bottom of the battery if it's on the gun. If it's on the shelf in that position or on, on the countertop in that position, that means it's charged. If you look at it and you push the button and you only have one light, you turn it upside down, which means it needs to go on the charger when there's room for, the, for it. So when I look at the quick like glance, I see like three batteries are upside down, you know, face, plug face down, hmm. means those need to be charged. So if there's like nothing doing, go over there and switch a battery. So that's just like, an, even on a job site, if I'm working out on a job site or out in, the, out in the woods, anytime a battery dies, I take it off the gun and put it face down. So I know not to grab it again in case... Time passes, or I come back from lunch and forget what's what. Hmm. So that's just a little simple life life hack. Life hacks. What's next? What's next? <laughs> I think oh, I stole this from you, Jimmy. Uh, Bob, did you just roll your eyes? No, I'm looking around. I'm trying to like. <laughs> no, no, no. no I, I did said, not. I said what's next, and Bob just like rolled his eyes like, oh boy. <laughs> no, it was like, oh man, I got to think of another one. I, I'm looking around in my office to see if I can think of anything. He's, he did roll his eyes and look around. I didn't. He's looking for the exit door. <laughs> yeah. How do I get out of this? <laughs> Go ahead, Dave. Sorry. I think I stole this from you, Jimmy. Uh, actually, probably all of my hacks come from your the tips videos that you used to do. Uh, round handles, flatten one side so they stop rolling off the bench. Oh, yeah, that's good. Or just tape like a little nut or yeah, bolt to it. Yeah, it's uh, We have very uneven floors. And so nothing, nothing is level, and especially the round mallet, it just rolls right off onto the floor every single time. Yeah, that's annoying. Here's a life hack, Bob. While you're thinking, I can't think of anything. <laughs> Write all your passwords on the back of your laptop. That's a bad idea. Yeah. Don't do that. That's bad. Well, idea. your laptop's not like the thing you're gonna. Well, I guess you could leave it in a coffee shop, but I won't. I will never take my laptop anywhere. So it is I, literally made to take places. That's why. It's <laughs> Don't do that. Well, there's another thing. You could write write passwords on your laptop, but then cover it with a piece of tape. <laughs> I can't remember anything. Or I have to. Don't put them on the outside of your. Don't write your passwords on anything ever. Don't do that. <laughs> Every life hack, Bob's gonna be like, "Don't do that." <laughs> My life hack is don't do anything Jimmy tells you to do. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true. Um, let's see. I'm. I there's got to be one here, like within arm's reach, and I cannot think of anything. 
right here. Oh, this uh, is, I oh, said. Wait, um, hang on, I got one. I got one. Go ahead, I got okay, one. go ahead. Whiteboard material. So, like this whiteboard that's behind yeah. me here, and anybody who's seen any of my videos has seen whiteboards because we use this stuff all the time. It's one of the cheapest sheet goods you can get. It's eighth inch masonite covered with a uh, white kind of like enamel material, like a paint. Yep. And it's really cheap. And if you're going to be putting lou on or some thin material on a surface in your shop, you know, just to make a cabinet or to make a fit a false wall or something, that stuff is a perfect whiteboard. So you can draw and have a sketchboard or whatever anywhere you need to. And it's, you know, it's cheaper than most other things. It's like maybe 12 bucks for a four by eight sheet. Oh, wow. It's very inexpensive. <clears throat> and so I've always got two or three sheets of that around and we cut it up and use it for different things. And like the, I have a, what is that? Probably three by four foot whiteboard in my office that was made from a scrap that we had from something else. And I put a mm -hmm. simple frame on it. It's up on the wall. Perfect whiteboard. Um, go ahead, Dave. You got no, something? I don't. When you, when you mentioned this, the <laughs> no. very first, yeah, the very first thing I thought of before the show started was, uh, taking a cupcake and pulling off the frosting and flipping the frosting upside down back onto the cupcake and it creates a sandwich oh. and it makes it so much easier to eat. That's my favorite life. That's hack. a really good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I love that idea. Otherwise you get you get icing all up in your mustache and in your nose. Yeah. Why have I never heard of that before? <laughs> it's my favorite. That's a great idea. That's, That's such awesome. a good idea. Hmm. Well, um, well, one of my life hacks is never listen to somebody's dream. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> when someone starts telling you their dream, just pretend like your phone is ringing. And you're like, sorry, they, they called me like four times. Let me just answer this. And, Hello? <laughs> oh, really? Oh, hang on. Sorry, I got to take this. And you just walk away. Okay. Uh, I, I just, it, it's wow. not really a hack. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Bob's writing that one down. <laughs> Another tip when you're making drawers, I hate making drawers, so I'm always looking for ways to make it easier, is I usually keep a spare two by four that I can chop up and use as spacers whenever needed. So you got a drawer that's going into a thing and it needs to be held in place. I'll just cut two, maybe four two by fours to hold the drawer up in place while I need to screw in the, the drawer slides. And then the next door drown. You can just chop down all of those two by fours, set it on top of that. I used to use books and just trying to figure out how to hold the drawer in place. So, Oh, yeah, spacers. Yeah. Well, you know what I do? When I do drawers, I do the bottom one, and I'll create, for instance, like paint stirrers. I'll put paint stirrers down at the bottom of the cabinet, install the bottom drawer where it goes, and then put those paint stirrers on top of that oh. drawer and put the next drawer in. So I build it from the bottom up always with spacers, and, and I'll rip if I need to change the spacing as I go up because a lot of times you have like those really deep drawers but you don't make the drawer deep you just make the face mm -hmm. deep so you know like like the kitchen appliances or whatever so I'll always just space it from the cabinet floor inside up as I go you got to be careful though because all of a sudden the top drawer is like totally crooked and you're like what did I do wrong Compound use the wrong spacer yeah. or whatever yeah um I think I got this from you yeah probably but um I got in the habit of ordering tongue depressors from mm -hmm. Amazon. And right. so, you know, it's a, a tongue depressor is like a, like a giant popsicle stick. And they are so cheap. And you can get them in different widths, different uh, number of packs. And recently I ran out of them. And so I got an order of popsicle sticks and an order of tongue depressors. And like 
500 of each or 1,000 of each or something mm-hmm. like that, and bamboo skewers. And they're short. Oh, yeah. These are about like pencil length with a sharp pointy end. And all of those together was like fifty dollars, and that yeah. will last me for years and years and years. But they're great for bamboo mix- skewers are great mixing epoxy, uh, you know, scraping out the bottom of things, you know, any kind of mixing stuff. They are my go-to for five-minute epoxy. I can just do that stuff. Or if you're putting on like glazing putty or anything like that, having a nice flat, you know, uh, consumable surface to for adding that type type of stuff is awesome and they're cheap how are you storing your bamboo skewers because i've been using them and i always have a pile of them mm-hmm. but they make a mess of the drawer i usually have like a zip tie or something around them because they don't i can't stack them in a can vertically because they don't fit in the drawer yeah. where they're supposed to go well i don't put them in drawers i have like an a-frame cart where i have um a lot of consumable stuff on one side of it and you know like wrenches and little hand tools like that so it's all uh french cleat and then there's a bunch of little containers that hang on them of all different types. So one of those containers is almost like a pencil box, like a pencil can with some divisions in mm-hmm. it. And so one of those is skewers. One of them is tongue depressors. One of them is like pencils. Mm-hmm. And so it's just I a, do that kind of you know, like that. I just put them in like a eight long, inches. skinny. Yeah. A lot of times I'll just scissor off the end. If you buy barbecue skewers at the supermarket, you just scissor off the end and then it's in a long skinny pouch. And then I just stick that pouch directly mm. into a shelf, like behind a book. So it's like in the corner where the mm. books like meet the wall. So you have that little shallow triangle. I usually just stick them there. So a lot of times people are always like, like Taylor and people in my shop who are used to grabbing one will always like look up on the shelf because they're like poking out of like the supplies on the wall. Mm. Do that. You guys want to hear a funny life hack that, I, that works really well? Yeah. Is act like you don't care about anything in a negotiation and you'll always get what you want. Mm-hmm. That works with relationships. That works <laughs> with like marking your I'd car. Like to, I'd like to step in here and say that's a bad idea for relationships. <laughs> Negotiations, maybe. Relationships, that's relationships would work. Bad idea. Okay, yeah. Clar- clarify there. No, this is like a New York thing. If you if you need a parking spot and somebody's dilly dallying on their phone in their car in a good parking spot, and you pull up and you go, "Are you going to leave there soon?" Because I need that spot. They're going to be like, I'll leave when I'm good and ready. And they just sit there. and they won't. But if you pull up and you pull up and you immediately like go to your phone, do not draw attention to them, but hold that position that nobody else can get into that spot. And you act like you're waiting for someone to come out of the store or you're there as like an Uber driver to pick somebody up. The person will be like, oh, oh, oh. I got to get out of the spot. And then you're, oh, sorry. And then you back up a little bit. But the minute you pull up to somebody and go, are you leaving? Mm. You're stuck for 20 extra minutes. Because that person, especially in the New York culture, that person's like, this is mine and I will keep it as long as possible. I'll be late to my appointment just so <laughs> that you have to be late to yours. <laughs> but if you pull up and don't look at them, give them nothing. Like the the move too is if it's dusk, the move in New York City used to be you pull up and you turn your lights off immediately, which makes it look like I'm okay, double park. <laughs> I'm going to kill gonna... you. That's what yeah. that looks like. <laughs> no, no, no. Because if you pull up and leave your headlights on, it means like they, they think you're waiting for them. So you pull up, turn your headlights off and just act like you're on your phone waiting for something. And then that person will leave. But the minute you show any interest in that spot, <clears throat> they hang on to it as long as humanly possible. I, I think it's just human nature. You could believe that. Have I? So that's a good have, life I've talked Act about. Like you don't care. I've talked about socks before, right? Have I talked about socks? 
My feelings Maybe. on matching socks? No. Is this a dream about socks? <laughs> this is not a dream. This is an message. actual thing. <laughs> it's a, this, is a, this is downstream from me having kids who do laundry. Or who didn't do laundry. Now they do laundry. But matching socks. So this is a life hack thing. When you... It's also turning clothes inside out. I know I've talked about this. Maybe it was on a different show. <clears throat> I beg so, you remember something. But okay, so if a kid or you, uh, you're, you're changing at the end of the day, you take your shirt off inside out, and then you throw it in the laundry, right? Right. In my mind, that inside outness is your responsibility because you didn't make the effort to take it off in a way that you're going to put it back on. It's not a big deal, but it's a thing that, like, I shouldn't have to do that one shirt, it doesn't matter. But when you're doing laundry for four kids and they all wear their shirts inside out and they leave them in the laundry, it's not my job to turn them all right side out at the folding stage, right? right. That's on them. Yep. So this also translates to socks. And this all goes to shop stuff as well. So if you have I have four kids who wear socks seven days a week and they all wear two socks. That's a lot of yeah, socks. A lot of math involved I'm not, here. I'm no mathologist there, but there's a lot of socks in that equation. And if they're all inside out and unmatched when it comes time to fold laundry, that's not my job. Because <laughs> it takes the same amount of time to match a pair of socks, whether it is right then or it's when they're getting them out of the drawer. But it breaks it up. Either I have 45 minutes of matching socks all at one time when I'm folding, or they have two seconds when they're going to get a pair of socks out. So same amount of work, but you can distribute it over the course of a week or the you know, course of different people or whatever. So instead of, and I told my kids this, like, instead of me matching your socks when I fold laundry, I'm going to put all your socks in a drawer and your job is going to be to take the two seconds in the morning to pick two that you want to go together, whether they match or not. It's not my problem. That's I don't fine. really care. But it does bucket, but it sucks. But it does take, and you could put this into shop stuff too. Like any little task that you have, if you batch it all together, sometimes that can save time, but sometimes that can actually eat up an afternoon of batching a task that could be distributed a few seconds over several days. And so you have to look at like, you know, which one makes the most sense. It's like sweeping. You could not sweep for a month and then you have to spend the day sweeping. Or you could sweep a little bit at the end of every day and take you a couple of minutes and then the shop is pretty much clean all the time. But, you know, in my world, I translate that to socks. And so what you're saying is and stuff like when that. you pull the clothes out of the dryer, you just don't dump mm-hmm. them on the dining room table and just leave it there and then just pull the clothes as you need <laughs> throughout the week? You don't do that? No, because with the size of my family, you wouldn't be able to see the table. It would just be a giant <laughs> floor-to-ceiling pile of clean clothes. Okay. I'm learning. For very long. I'm yeah. learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very that, funny. That's my hack. It's not really a hack. It's more just a pet peeve. <laughs> <laughs> the next. And my 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 laundry room is like is like a factory. All the dirty laundry goes in the left side, and all the clean laundry is on the the right side. So it goes in here and moves over, and goes in here and moves over. So anything that's like on that side of the floor or that room is dirty. Goes up, in, over, down, boom, mm. fold. Up, in, over, down, boom, fold, and it seems to work pretty good it's a good system ours doesn't have that flow like that it would be nice because it would it would make it easier i think our washer and dryer is in a corner and the hampers are in like a different corner and then the folded stuff is in a different kind of in between so it's not you know there's no clear path that would make it easier for a family i think to have a a clear path like that we've been talking about this stuff for like an hour 
<laughs> I got so one good that's one. That's my hack. excuse I, to say I don't have any more. But do you have any more? <laughs> I got one good one that's been working because I've been working on the boat. I haven't been showing too much of it, but it's still moving along. And now that I'm up and over the bend, so like the first foot of 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 strips, you can clamp pretty much with any clamp. But as you start to go up and over, I made these little J hooks that hook the edge of the boat, which is face to the ground, and then I can. I can grab the clamp on the top of the S hook and then grab the edge of the board that's now up and bending over. So for instance, you're gluing something that needs to, I'm trying to think, would this work? If it's a curve, I don't know how to visually explain this. I'm going to have to show it on Instagram. But you grab in the hook. I have two hooks. So I'm hooking, sorry, I have two clamps. I'm grabbing up one side and hooking the clamp and it goes about 40 degrees and then I'm able to clamp the next board against the curve. Does that make sense? I shouldn't even have started down this road. I have to visually explain everything. <laughs> Forget it. No, so I'm I'm be able to clamp around a curve. I'm hooking oh. I'm hooking yeah. clamps together and it's working really good. It's the same concept as hooking two long clamps together to get across the stretch of something wider than the two clamps you have. But in this case, my clamps are wide enough, but I can't make them bend. So I'm hooking in the middle of the turn. Yeah. Forget it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much better to explain that. Good enough. I'm going to have to show. You'll see it in the video yeah, in, put in it, eight put it months when the boat's done. Yeah. Well, you can put the, just that little clip on Instagram. Be helpful for even people who yeah. don't listen to us. <clears throat> yeah. David, you have any That's more? it. <laughs> okay. Cool. Oh, my... I, I'm looking at Monum. I'm looking at my list, but we said this earlier. Dissect trash. That's another really good life hack to learn how to do stuff. I told about my experience when I was a kid and I found a broken piano. Mm. Find trash. I've been saying this forever, but find trash, break it apart, and look at it. So if you're at a dumpster, you're in a city or you're in the suburbs and you see a dumpster at somebody's house, poke in the dumpster. And when they say, Oh, are you going to pick my garbage? You go, No, I'm going to steal construction techniques out of your garbage. And you break stuff and you look at how things are made. You see like a joint on a drawer. You see a joint on a mm. thing. I keep, um, I keep that purple, pink foam insulation on hand at all times. I use it to test out things on the CNC. I use it to throw onto my bench so I can oh, throw yeah. a board on there and just jigsaw a shape out of the board without worrying about cutting That's into the great, bench. Yeah. That's a great idea. Uh, it's, it comes in really handy all the time. And it's mm, fairly inexpensive. Good. Or at least it used to be. I don't know what it is now. I get, um, I mean, I do that with the foam as well. I don't have a full sheet of it, but I have like scraps of it. But I also do the same thing with the um, chloral, cor- choroplast, you know, the, the like cellular plastic oh, styrene yeah. type stuff. It's like a corrugated plastic, um, oh, yeah. like sign material. I've used it for stuff for projects in the past for like paint booths and stuff, but there's always offcuts. And those are really good. Uh, because of the corrugations, you can fold it into boxes. So it's really good for making mold boxes really quickly out of without cutting a whole lot. It's a plastic on the outside, so you can use it as a, like a mixing panel for, uh, you know, <clears throat> epoxy, five-minute epoxy or JB Weld or something like that. So keeping those scraps around uh, is another good little thing to use. There's another one. I'm doing this just to make Bob grossed out. But how do you find the end of like cell, 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 celery tape? The end of celery, I know where to find that, but tape, like you have a roll of packing tape and you can't find the end of it. Yeah. Like you used it, you cut it, and one second later, you can't find the end of it. This sounds like a joke. 
Is this a joke? No, no, this is 100% true. I've been okay. doing this for a long time. I might have okay. showed it somewhere somewhere along the way. but You said ghost find- out, so I'm imagining you probably just lick the tape until you feel I it. I lick until tell. I find the end because <laughs> I can't so feel gross. it with my fingers, <laughs> and I'm using my fingernails. So I'll take the tape. A lot of people will see me, and they see me just like holding the tape and just looking around. They're like, what are you doing? I'm looking oh for the gosh. end. And then I can find the very – because that – what is that? Three thousandths of an inch, that little jump where you feel the cut edge – you could feel that with your tongue. I can't feel it with my fingers. Can you feel? I can't all see of, it either. Can you feel all of the everything else that is on that mm-hmm. tape? All yep. of the germs and all of the everything. I can I, I can <laughs> detect what's germs and what's the end of the oh. tape for, from my experience. Cool, good. <laughs> Works every time. If you're frustrated and you're packing something and you put your tape down one second after you snipped it with scissors or a razor and the, the end is gone, it is like gone. You're like, is there any end on this thing? Where a minute ago I was just using it. Okay, just so like, just to summarize. Deal with the tip of your tongue and you'll find <laughs> what it. If you, I would like to summarize Jimmy's life hacks here yeah. real quick. Okay. Um, let's see. There was act like you don't care in your relationships. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's a good one. <laughs> yep. Lick it. Lick it. And there was another one that I did. Oh, no, write your passwords yeah. on everything. Yeah, so, you know. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right, you got anything man. else? Anyway. I got one more thing. One more thing this week. You reminded me. This isn't a life hack. This is just a story, and I want to ask you guys your, your opinion because you're young whippersnappers that are smarter than me. This week, somebody's trying to hack my life, right? Somebody was trying to hack me. That's why I thought of it because they were hacked. Somebody set up this phony GoFundMe in my name. Oh, but I started getting GoFundMe emails, and I was ignoring them because I was like, oh, someone's trying to catfish me. I, I'm not into GoFundMe. I don't even ever had anything other than just donating occasionally. But... Taylor is at my phone. She's looking at She's like, somebody set up a GoFundMe in your name, and this is it. And she, like, found it. Because I didn't click on any of the emails, but she realized that it was legit because she's done some GoFundMe stuff. She's like, no, these are really from GoFundMe. And so, anyway, I reported the fraud. I think some other people did, too, when I talked about it. And it was gone that night. But then 2 in the morning, I just happened to get up for a second, and I look at my phone, and it says, reset Apple password. It's like showed up on my oh. phone as if, as if I did it. And I said, no. And then I got the email and it said, if somebody did something and it's not you, go change your password immediately. So I panicked because now I'm thinking somebody's in my email. And I go to the computer and I type in my Apple password and it didn't work. It didn't. And I panicked and I tried calling Apple. Apple said, just go to the app until eight in the morning. So I went to the Apple security app. You guys know of this? It's like a new thing. No. And so I downloaded the Apple security app and it, it basically like probably it bumps about 80% of the phone call conversations that would happen. It's all in the app now. Mm. And so <clears throat> the one thing said, reset your password. So I reset my password and it knows you're on your phone. It knows and it knows everything. So this, it, it eliminates a whole lot of, <clears throat> a lot of, uh, whatever screening. So I set, I reset my password and then Every time I went to ver- every time I went to sign in on a browser, by the way, I was still signed in on all my devices. I never signed out. I was still signed in. So I, as a test, I'd go to a browser and try and sign into my iCloud, and it would sign in, send me the authentication code, tell me where I'm signing in. All this double stuff worked, but then it would say, "Oh, you need to verify your email." And my email is at mac.com, and it says this email's <clears throat> taken, and I'm like, "What?" And then it said, at me.com, because about seven years ago, they tried to force everybody off of the dot .Mac and put you on the dot .me, right? You guys mm-hmm. remember, vaguely remember that? Was that only me, my experience? No. Yeah. And so 
I couldn't work. And now I'm thinking somebody's half hacked into my life. And for some reason, after three hours on the phone the next morning with Apple, turns out I had to switch everything to the .iCloud email. My .Mac email is completely phased out. What? I was on the phone with them. They couldn't figure out what was going on. And so while I was on one of a very long hold, I kept trying all these emails that were in my list of emails and my Mac thing. And I just on a whim typed in .iCloud. And after all this, that was the email it accepted. <clears throat> she yeah. made me look. She's like, look through. You must, the email must have been verified. And I'm on the phone with Apple. She said, look through your emails. We must have sent you a verification code. I'm like, yeah, you sent me like 15 since last night since I keep trying, but none of those work. It just keeps saying. It puts you in a circular loop. And so once I finally figured out it was the .iCloud, now is my, is my primary email. And my .Mac doesn't work at all. She's like, oh, they're probably trying to phase that out. Like, I think she knew this in the beginning of the <laughs> yeah. phone call. Yeah. So my .Mac email, I get incoming emails on it, but I can't send it. And I noticed it's eliminated from all my passwords and security lists. Huh. Anytime I try to send an email out from the .Mac, it says this email is, it doesn't work. So, so I have to switch it to it. So anytime you guys see emails from me now, it'll be from jimmyderesta at .me.com. At, at me.com. What? <laughs> <laughs> or at, this is an Apple. It's an Apple suffix, at me.com. Yeah. Or at iCloud.com. So I've never been one to, I mean, and this is because I've worked in web stuff, so I have a, a different perspective on this, but I have always avoided using, actively using, you know, dot Yahoo, or I mean, at yahoo.com or at gmail.com or, you know, any of those like things that are another person's or another company's domain that could eventually change for that very reason. Because it's, right. if they decide to get rid of a service or, you know, all of a sudden you have to start paying for Gmail or whatever. Right. Um, so I've always had my own domain that just masks to one of those services so that I am, right. I always have the, you could, the email address that everybody knows is in my control, you know. Right. One but, final life hack. Anyway. Well, anyway. Yeah. Final okay. life hack. Well. Don't sign up for Apple. <laughs> anyway. So that, that's been my experience. So what was funny, though, is like the whole time I'm thinking that I'm being half hacked. Mm -hmm. So I'm panicking that I'm like trying to get underneath the hacker. And when I finally did speak to Apple, she said, she goes, there's been no nefarious activity. Hmm. But when you change your password, it triggered this thing that we want everybody to eventually oh, do, I which see. is get rid of the dot .mac. And like, but it doesn't explain that to you. It yeah. just puts you in this quandary of, sorry, that email doesn't, doesn't work. I'm like, what do you mean it doesn't work? She's like, how long has this been your password? How long has this been your email? I said, since the beginning of iCloud. Hmm. She's like, hmm. And she couldn't figure it out. She kept <clears throat> escalating it and going, putting me on long holds and coming back from the team conversation. I'm sure she just put me on hold and went and made a coffee and came back and like, yeah, the team doesn't know what. <laughs> I talked to everybody in the department and yeah. So I guess my hack there would be, you know, get your own domain, park it somewhere that you need and just use it for email and then forward that email to one of the services that, so you don't have to like manage it. But, um, all right. Well, I'm going to thank our Patreon supporters. We have new Patreon supporters this week. Yes. We have several new people who have joined. Big thank you to everybody who either upped their support or jumped on. 
It's really great to have you all, and we're thankful for that. We've got some new top supporters to mention because we added a few spots. They got filled up very quickly, which means a lot. So thank yes, you. Thank you. So uh, big thanks to Corey Ward, Albers Woodworks, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, You Can Make This Too, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Rich at Low End Designs, Odin Leather Goods, Full Steam Designs, Scott Orem, who's been on the list for a long time but is now in the, the top tier there. Thank you. Um, Dad at Yourself DIY. Warren Works. Thank you, Warren. Michael, Michael, I'm going to mess your name up. So send me an email and let me know how to say it correctly because I want to say it correctly. But I think it's Minegian, maybe? I'm gonna. It's probably mm. wrong, but I'm trying. So let me know how to say it correctly. And Gretchen Hoffer. Hofer? Hoffer? <laughs> I don't know. You can let me know too, Gretchen. <laughs> um, but big thank you to all of them and to the other people like Ari Guru. Um, lots of people joined this week. The new janky workshop. New janky. Yeah, it was pretty good. So anyway, we have a lot of new supporters and um we're really glad to have you. So thank you for that. It means a lot. And if you and all of them are gonna get the after show, and if you want to get it too, you can go to patreon.com slash making it, help us out, help us grow this thing, help us get the show in front of more people, share it with your parents, grandparents, great grandparents if you got them, you know. They might like it. I don't know. Maybe not. Tell them we talk about player pianos, and maybe they'll be like, cool. <laughs> I'm into podcasts about player pianos. Um, and life yeah. hacks you can do with your tongue. Hey, no. <laughs> All right. You guys got anything to recommend? Uh, yeah. So, quick, I got two things. One is my, my quick pick, and I'm sorry there's nothing maker-related, but the there's a book on Audible called Dear Life, it's it's Beck just kind of telling his life story. It's really short. It's like a couple Ooh. hours. I'm a I'm a big fan of Beck, and he really goes into detail of why each album sounds the way it does, and how he, you know, how he wishes some things would have happened this way or or, or whatever. And there's a lot of Beck albums, and some of them just sound completely different than than. The, the previous album and then at i remember at the time some of these albums came out i'm like i really don't like this as as an older mm-hmm. adult now i'm like that album is actually really good why didn't i like this before so anyway if you're into beck great audible book that he just it's like a autobiography but my my actual pick is uh my grandfather turns 100 on july 28th Whoa. He is wow. the biggest inspiration in my life. He's a woodworker. He's out in the shop every day. And he makes these little wooden, he calls them pocket crosses. And he's made almost 29,000 of them. He keeps track of all the ones that he makes. And he gives them away. His church sends them out or whatever. Um, he turns 100 years old. On July 28th, he's uh, he's the oldest World War II veteran in in his county, and oh, wow. if you want to send a stranger a birthday card, his address will be in the show notes. And the family he he knows his address is being put out there. The family just wants to flood his mailbox with birthday cards. He's the nicest, That's kindest. Absolute most humble person you'll ever meet everything he does in life is all about all comes from a good place he won't he won't 
say anything bad about you. He doesn't complain. He's been through a lot. He doesn't complain about anything. He's an amazing human. And ABC World News Tonight will be doing a story on him. I don't have the date yet. It was supposed to air last Sunday, but it got bumped. So it's probably going to be in a couple weeks. But it's going to be on a Sunday night in this little segment called uh, America Strong. And my grandpa is – we have this little friendly contest of who's – Who's more famous? And right now, Grandpa is winning big time. So, that is yeah. so his, cool. His mailing address awesome. will be in the show notes if you want to str- send a stranger a birthday card. Thank you. Excellent. I'm totally Thank you. Cool. I appreciate that so much. That, very cool. That is very cool. All right, Jimmy, I what got you got? Two. I got two. I got a part-time explorer who I talked about a while ago, but I, I think it's uh, worth mentioning again. Guy tells stories about shipwrecks and other like ghost towns and the way things go left and right on uh, on on big voyage cruising things and anyway so check out part time explorer he tells stories in a very engaging way just a good storyteller he doesn't have much a lot of times he just has old photographs and he seems like he has a computer generator guy that makes images of things that move around while he talks but in general his storytelling is really powerful so check out part time explorer. Talks about shipwrecks. And then the second one is my nephew, who I just sent you guys his link. My nephew is an up-and-coming YouTube, but he's really, he's really getting good at editing. And he was at the go-kart event. And while he was here, he stole away and went to my house just down the road. And him and his friends got themselves into trouble with my side-by-side and my electric <laughs> go-kart. So I didn't know any of this until I saw the video last night. Goofing around. Kids. So the, the, he came to the go-kart event, and he got some actually really good footage of the go-kart thing. So that's my nephew is Aiden, Aiden DeResta. He's His channel, he's in his second year of college, and his channel started about a year ago, but he's finally catching a little bit of a stride as far as his styling. Still needs more more attention, but his style is getting really good. Cool. Um, mine is a comedian, which you two both knew about when I mentioned it, but I just found out about him. Uh, or started listening to him really a few weeks ago named Nate Bargatze. Mm-hmm. And w- when we moved, uh, Forby, when he moved to town, we were in a moving truck for a long time. And so my friend Bert played a couple of his Netflix specials for me. And dude is really funny. It's clean comedy. It's very, you know, easy to listen to. It's not, he's not, you know, like high strung, a lot of comedians have to be like sensational. He's not that. It's just very dry, very funny stuff. And uh, I've been listening to a couple of his specials. I've watched maybe th- I think he has three of them on Netflix now. Two standalones, and then he has, he's part of like a a collection. And then I found out a couple days ago he also has a podcast that has like a hundred episodes, and it's him and other comedians just doing a podcast talking about random things. And I started listening to it this morning. This morning, very funny. Anyway, so he's a just a good, funny comedian that I ran across recently, and I've been enjoying it a lot. Thought other people might enjoy it as well. So go check him out. And if you've ever heard uh, the bit, it's probably all over Instagram and TikTok and stuff about the uh, coffee with cream. Have you guys heard that story? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's his story. I'm not going to tell it. <laughs> It's very funny. He just has this whole whole thing about ordering coffee with cream. Or coffee with milk. Sorry, it's coffee with milk. And that's 
Anyway, it won't be funny. <laughs> I, <tell you. laughs> I really want to. All right, go listen to, to Nate Bargatze. He's, he's a very funny guy. All right, you guys got anything else? Uh, Silence. I'm, I'm just talking. I'm talking with Total Boat about how to uh, fiberglass my big giant cup that I discussed um, in the beginning. Okay. Cool. But well, that's it. You, oh, did I tell you the time? I'm kidding. Go ahead. Get out of here. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everybody. Thanks for putting up with our life hacks. I'm I'm doing air quotes here. Life hacks. And uh, we'll we'll see you next time. <laughs> Yeah, say it so they can understand it. Oh, I said I love you, but I said it in my secret voice.